All right. Well, uh, welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two middle-aged geek dads. I am David Moore, and I've been an undercover under I've been undercover as a traveling developer, moving my eldest daughter into college and being home tech support. And I'm Ken Newquist, and I am surfing the start of term tidal wave. I also have my eldest daughter. Well, actually, I only have the one daughter <laughs> off to college. <laughs> so there's all of that. Uh, son going into his junior year, and I work at a college. And so, you know, it's just all of the stuff that happens at start of term. It is the craziest, busiest time as summer ends and everybody returns to campus. And even more so yeah. this year, because we're kind of, knock on wood, getting closer to normal. So, you know, everybody's yeah. back. Everybody's in the real world. You walk around campus, and it feels like a campus. So it's, it's great, but darn, there's a lot to do. <laughs> there is, there is. Yeah. And it doesn't help on my end that I was gone for nearly a week at a, at a conference. Um, and you know, we've been bringing my, my, my daughter is only an hour away where she's going to school. So we bring her back and forth every couple of weekends. So it's been a hectic, hectic couple of weeks. So, but we're back and we're podcasting. So what have you been yes. up to other than ferrying, uh, your child back to college. <laughs> um, I have been, uh, I don't know how, uh, well, I do kind of know how, uh, I've been pulled back into cyberpunk 77, uh, 2077, 77. That, that would be, that'd be an interesting game. Uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> the year 77, not 1977, but 77. Yeah. So I, I, Got pulled into 2077. I've had it for a while. Uh, for some reason, I had played it for a while and then stopped since gone back to it. Mainly, uh, I, I don't know why I stopped, but I mainly got back into it because I had picked up Cyberpunk Red and have been reading all things Cyberpunk lately in terms of uh, that game book. Dove into Tailspire, which is a, a 3D uh, virtual tabletop uh, that makes it look like there are three-dimensional miniatures on your screen and you, you know, can other people can log in. I had seen it with uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan had run uh, Starstruck um, on Dropout TV and they used it there. Uh, but just recently they came out with their sci-fi and cyberpunk tile set. And so I had created... There's in Tales from the Red in the first adventure, there's a symphony hall. Um, and so I took the maps that was in that and converted those into Tailspire maps. Uh, and uh, in fact, we can put it in the show notes. I actually released those. So anybody who has Tailspire can can download it if they want. But it was that was fun to play around with. And I was like, I need more. And so I started playing 2077 and I think I'm like 80% of the way through the game now. So it's, it's been fun. There's only been a couple of T poses. Um, and one case where a motorcycle drove off without the quest giver sitting on the back of it <laughs> that I had to reload the game. And then she got on the bike and then drove off. So that was nothing get nothing like hugely game breaking the game is still is absolutely beautiful they've added more things like uh they've added a ton of more stuff uh there's too many things to go into it's it's a lot of fun i'm enjoying playing it <sighs> that was a lot of words uh what yeah, what, yeah. what have you been doing well i've been doing 
so many different things. But what I have been doing is getting back into my 3DS as he holds up his his mm. 3DS XL. Mm. Right, uh, nice. I love this. I love this device. Like, I love the the form factor of the of the 3ds XL because it's it's a little bigger, right? Yeah. And I'm kind of a bigger guy, right? So, you know, it's nice to have something that just fits in my hands just perfectly. And I'll tell you, I've been playing a ton on the Switch, right? Like, I got all these great games of a, a new Dragon Quest game. I've got like Sonic Mania. Um, I don't know. Occasionally, I can pull back into Skyrim, and I do enjoy my Switch. But the Switch is not portable in the way that the 3DS is. The 3DS, I right. can throw into my messenger bag, tuck tuck it into this one side pocket wherever I want. Like it's it is the thing I would take on the plane, not my not my Switch. The sad thing is, is that the 3DS is is nearing kind of its its end of life in a way because now obviously your Switch will continue to work, my Switch will continue to work, or not my Switch, my the 3DS. 3DS will continue yep. to work, right? Yep. But Nintendo has. Uh, is shutting down the the eShop, the 3DS eShop, um, in March 2023. They haven't given a specific date yet, but on or about sometime in March, they're going to shut it down. And I just realized that. I don't know why I had this kind of epiphany. Oh, I know what it was. I was looking around at different Fire Emblem games that I haven't played because mm-hmm. they had just come out with a new like Fire Emblem... It's not three houses. It's three something else. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. It's a real-time strategy. Like Whereas a normal... Um, fire emblem it's uh it's turn-based the spin-off is basically more of a like real-time like swarming kind of thing you have to fight off hordes of people that's cool and all but i really wanted to play more turn-based fire emblem Mm -hmm. what's out there that i haven't played yet and then i realized there's a whole other campaign for fire (laughs) emblem Bethright that i never played and i'm like oh Oh, cool. Like it's a whole, it's like, it's not even like a little DLC. It is a whole new campaign that you can play. So, and then I'm like, nice. Oh my gosh, I need to get this before they shut down the eShop. <laughs> Cause yeah. once it's gone, it's gone, right? Like you're not going to be able to download it anymore. So I went out and I looked at a couple of other titles, you know, is there anything else I want to get before things shut down? I think fire emblem was, was really the, truly the big one that I was, I was looking for, but, um, it's been great, and it's just kind of like reunited me with my 3DS. I hadn't played it in a while, and it's like, oh, now I remember why I love this form factor so much. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can take it everywhere, you know? <laughs> I, I never really got into the 3DS. Both of my girls have them, and, and plenty, plenty O games with them. And they occasionally still pull them out even though they both play the switch a lot the nostalgia is high i mean this was my my the, the original ds the clamshell gray ds was my daughter's first gaming system right gotcha. like that was because in the hand-me-down scheme that used to work for many years before the kids started getting better technology than me you know right. i would get the new ds and i would give the old ds to them because then if they broke it who cares it's an old ds right. but uh you know so much animal crossing like so many like decades of animal crossing, you know so it's uh yeah i'm gonna be sad when it goes and it got me to thinking right like you know, Nintendo, you're going to come out with a more durable, smaller switch that could take the place of this. Cause maybe this is maybe. really convenient, really convenient. <laughs> I think the favorite game for my oldest was uh Pokemon mystery dungeon explorers of sky. Nice. <laughs> it was, I hear, I've heard a lot about it, but it's a Pokemon game where you are a Pokemon, but who has lost their memory, but it's basically <laughs> a procedural dungeon crawl you go back into the dungeon and it's like rogue where the dungeon has been re re procedurally generated. And she really, really played the heck out of that game and will occasionally revisit it. Ah, so what you've been reading? 
I have been nearing the end of the Rivers of London series, as in the end of what is currently out. There's a new book coming out, uh, book nine in 2023. Uh, I still have book eight uh, that I have yet to read, but I've read the first seven. I've read a bunch of the graphic novels, and I think I'm on. It's a weird one. It's because it's not in the main storyline. It's a point five. It's like okay. either seven point <laughs> five or eight point five or something like that. Called October Man. That's the one I'm currently on. Uh, it's it's not the main character. It's it, but it's one of the people that the main character has met. But the, but this adventure is focused in in Germany around a vineyard and a murder that happened on the vineyard. Uh, and it's, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, it is, uh, as, as our friend Chris Miller said, he introduced it to me, uh, was like, this is what is tiding me over until the next Dresden files book. <laughs> I am, I am first half, very happy with that. I am also very, very happy with my, my local public library because, uh, I have been able to download the eBooks of it and just, read the heck out of stuff. I've been very pleased with their loan, their loans and loan capability. So what is rivers of London? Cause I haven't, I, I think I missed it when Chris was talking about this. And so I don't, I don't re- recall this series. I certainly haven't read it. Sure. So. And, and I imagine our listeners may not have heard about it from Chris either. <laughs> no, I'm the last one. Right. <laughs> I'm the so, last one who hasn't heard. About it. <laughs> um, so rivers of London is uh, set in, modern ish day by the time i have read them it's like it was like set i think in like 2010 ish each book is a is supposed to be a year not a full year of time in the book but like a year has passed between one book and the other it's about a guy who started off as a police constable and one night met a ghost and because he meets a ghost and then talks with someone else that he says i just met a ghost ends up becoming part of a special unit called the Folly, part of the police department there. They're the only two magic-using special policemen in England. And so basically our main character goes around solving solving crimes that have a supernatural bent to them. And then slowly learning more and more about the supernatural world you know, there there were more people in the folly than World War Two happened. And okay. most of those people either died or then hung, as they said, hung up their staffs or broke their staffs and walked away and no longer practice. And so it's it's about him rising in ability and ranks in the police force, as well as him uh, learning more and more magic and more and more about the magical world. And it's been fun. It's it's kind of a cottage police procedural. It's kind of a just a relaxing, fun, popcorn-y read. Cool. There are things that blow up, but not as many as in Dresden Files. <laughs> the magic is not over the top. <laughs> but it's a it's good. Like it could theoretically be set in a in a Dresden File Files world. Like they could interact. The two main characters could interact depending upon how you spun it. It was, it was, it's been a good series. Very nice. I, we've talked a little bit before about your, uh, comics. Are you, are you close to re-inventorying it done? Are you? No, well, I have started. 
Okay. I, I am at the end of the beginning where the beginning was finding something to do it. Yep. So uh, I, ha- I have traditionally kept all my comics in a longhand binder, which is not what to do. It, it, it's not back upable. <laughs> it's not digital. It's not searchable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass to take with me anywhere. And I wouldn't because it's like my official records. If my house burned down, I would lose my records. Right. Mm-hmm. So th- this is bad. But moving to some sort of like digital option has been like, I just didn't ever take the time to actually do it. Like, do I like, want to track it through spreadsheets? Do I want to do something proprietary? Like, because, you know, you invest, I, I have, I have a lot of comics. I have a lot of comic long boxes. One might say, my wife might say, I have too many comic books and should probably begin curating. Um, all of these things are are likely true. I started collecting like in 1989. So got a lot of comic books. It's going to mm-hmm. take me a while to get mm-hmm. caught up. And whatever I do, I want it to be able to like move to somewhere else. So I've been evaluating different applications that could do this because at the end of the day, what I want to be able to do is if nothing else, dump it as a CSV, right? Like I can get it, I can throw it into Excel or Google sheets or whatever. And I have all my inventories. I can take it wherever I want to go. And thankfully most of the, the, basically most of the platforms are interchangeable in this way, right? Like you can get the data out, which is, which is good. Cause I'm not going to spend hours putting it in there, not to be able to get it out. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the one I've settled on is League of Comic Geeks. Uh, it's at leagueofcomicgeeks.com. Okay. Um, they have an iOS app, which actually has a barcode scanner. And oh, so, wow. yeah, it's nice because, you know, sometimes like being able to look up the comics, like they have a nice database for searching for things. And so that's one way to find it. But, you know, like anything with a huge amount of data, it can be difficult to find stuff. So being able to have the barcode scanner, boom, it can just pop it up. Um, I've added like 350 comics to it just as Holy a moly. like to get a sense for how it was working. <laughs> <laughs> just this the beginnings not, of it, right? Yeah, is this that is just the beginnings of it. That's like yeah. one long box, maybe two long boxes. Um, okay. And so really what it's what it is, it's like it's a long weekend of watching movies or like, I don't know, I never finished Orphan Black, maybe the last two seasons of Orphan Black and just like going through comic books and categorizing them. Um, but it's been nice. I mean, I, I started with some just to get a feel for it, I did New Mutants. I'm a big, huge New Mutants, Mutants fan. The movie is not as terrible as you might think. Um, okay. And and I, I realized that although I am a big New Mutants fan, which is a spinoff of the X-Men, dates back to the 80s. Yep. Uh, the, uh, Cannonball, miss- Sunspot, Rain. Yeah, Cannonball, Sunspot, Rain. Uh, Can't Ileana, remember the others. Um, oh, yeah, Ileana. I forgot about her. Yeah. So, um, magic. Thanks. I was, I knew it wasn't Witchblade cause that's something else entirely. But in any case I went through and I realized I missed an entire volume of new mutants, right? Like it just came and went and, and I completely missed it. I think mm-hmm. going backwards, I think I may have seen it and I wasn't thrilled with the artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, but now because I have Marvel unlimited, which we discussed previously, I can actually go back and watch all of those without actually ha- read all of those without actually having to, uh, you know, buy them physical so, copies <laughs> you, you yeah, have so, bought them because you have a marvel unlimited but they're not taking up yeah, any physical more copies. physical space they're all bits and bytes yeah and it changed like you know like 30 issues into the run it became new like uh new x-men i think and then new x-men became x-men like like it, there's a whole thing but in any case this is the nice thing about actually having them in a system you can see how things went and after i get like what i really want to do is go i guess i started adding my current comics to there like start where you're at right mm-hmm. and you can set up pull lists and it will tell you what's coming out this week because one of the challenges mm-hmm. in the modern era because you know i'm spending more time moving my kids around than i do with comic books like 
oh yeah, you know, I, I might only go and get my comics once a once a month, but mm-hmm. I can see what's coming out. So I'm like, oh well, I should put that aside. I should make sure I, you know, I ask for that or what have you. So cool. pretty cool. Can't wait to actually be current. Yeah, <laughs> should yeah. be in about two or three years. <laughs> <laughs> You just need uh need more episodes of of uh, lower decks and such to watch. Yeah, I got a whole. I'm wait, I'm saving up the the Star Trek because I, I canceled my Paramount subscription, um, as one does. So you know, when the new yeah. episode, new season of Picard comes out, and Brave and uh, Strange New Worlds, and I can just binge all of it. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I saw that Lower Decks season three was out, and they said season three was out. What they really meant was like episode one of season three was out. We will uh, be releasing them once a week, and I was like, oh, all right, you got me this month, but I'm gonna <laughs> go next month. Yeah, I don't want to jinx it. I, yeah, I don't want to jinx I'm, it. I'm I don't know if I should say, say this, it. but I have been playing tabletop role playing games uh, fairly regularly lately. Um, we had, we've had, uh, which is funny because we canceled tonight, uh, <laughs> being Thursday. Um, yeah, like you, you and I couldn't record on Tuesday cause you were away. So we decided, okay, well, if we're not gaming on Thursday, we'll record. We're recording. Uh, so, but we've been playing, uh, Spelljammer Academy. I think I mentioned this the last episode as well. Um, and it's still been pretty lighthearted fun. Um, it's kind of a, it's it's on the more silly, not as serious. I don't, silly isn't exactly the word for it, but like it's lighthearted. It's, it's very lighthearted, and I, I don't know. Our group's been uh, doing pretty well, and we've had some people drop in and out. Uh, depending upon schedules. Um, so like, I think if everybody showed up, there'd be like six or seven people and, uh, that would be pretty cool, but also would be really interesting as like online game. I don't think I've played in a game that had six or seven people all at the same time. Yeah. It's been fun. Spelljammer adventures did come out. Um, haven't started reading the book yet. Uh, but, uh, I do want to, I'm seriously thinking about doing like a Seth Skorkowski style uh, video. And he's he's a YouTuber. He's a uh, role playing game YouTuber, usually uh, Traveler and Call of Cthulhu. Uh, but he'll go he will go through a module that he has played and or run and and review and kind of review it, but also say, here is what was really good in the module. Here is what I would change to make the module run more smoothly. Um, cause there are a few things in, in Spelljammer adventures, like in the last time we played, that was, that was a little weird. Um, or, or maybe <laughs> not <true>. like fully <laughs> thought through, like, like you have a Spelljammer, like in Spelljammer, you have, you can get this crystal rod that can turn any chair into, uh, a Spelljammer helm. Cool. Right. Right. Slight spoiler for the third adventure. But you find out like almost immediately at the beginning, uh, you are going to a derelict spell jammer. You land. And the problem is, is there are no chairs. Why are there no <laughs> chairs? Because it was a beholder spell jammer. Why would there be chairs on a beholder spell jammer? There wouldn't be. <laughs> at least in my mind. Yeah. So when you're floating all the time, you don't really need a chair. Right. 
you know, there are little things like that. There are a couple of bigger things that are like, oh, well, this came out before the rules came out. So we didn't really know what to put there. And so we've made it work. It's been fun. Nothing's perfect. Uh, It's been a good one. But I I think I will. uh, If I have the time and impetus, I might I might actually do that. But in addition to that, I've actually been running uh, Star Wars 5th Edition, which is the fan-made Star Wars using 5th Edition as a base. It's been fun. I'm pretty sure I said uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan's name earlier this podcast, but this is where I actually meant to say it. And I don't know why <laughs> I put it in. I think I put it in with Cyberpunk. Uh, but no, I he, that this is I learned about 5th Edition uh, Star Wars from... Uh, Starstruck, uh, a Starstruck Odyssey that he ran on Dropout TV. And uh, my wife is a huge, huge, huge Star Wars fan. Uh, And then we've got some friends here who are also Star Wars fans. So we've been actually getting together in person and playing Star Wars. And so uh, that's been fun. Making an adventure every week. I am very out of practice with that. No kidding, right? Yeah. (laughs) And things are low level right now, so I don't really have a good grasp on the system yet. Um, I've just been basically running it like it's fifth edition and you tell me what your power says, you know, like, please read me the power out loud so we can all figure out how that works. And and it's been pretty it's been pretty fun so far. I think last time we talked about our loot locker. We we haven't we haven't won released that episode yet and we have, two, not. <laughs> have not gotten any entries any any requests for our loot no we got one we got did one we? did we i think yeah did, i think it was i think how did think we it was parent. did we release that episode then i thought i was still no editing. he was he was watching on twitch oh right right okay yes yeah, yes if you're watching on no, twitch then you, it's been it's been totally out there ken why don't you tell us about our loot locker Oh, sure. After I click away from the show notes, but yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> if you weren't able to participate in free RPG day, we have you covered. Um, we're doing a giveaway. So we were, uh, David is, is bundling up uh, collections of the different books that were given out. And uh, basically it's going to be first come first served. So for there's one first, <laughs> there is one first come, but there are more openings. <laughs> I'm not saying this very well, but in any case, you get the idea. Uh, all we're asking is, you know, retweet us, tag us in a tweet, say that you like the podcast. Um, any of that works and we'll reach out to you and get your information and, uh, and send you uh, one of our prize bundles from the loot locker. Yep. So this is our first time doing this. So there is the time shift between Twitch and like the actual release, but we're getting close. So yeah. And we will keep running this until all the books are gone. So <laughs> there's, there's one time there's, there's, there's not really time pressure, but there is entry pressure. And, there you go. But so just to clarify, at Layer of Secrets on on Twitter, uh, if you send a message saying, hey, really love the show and would like to see was, was interested in the books. I don't know. What, what did we say that we needed to have them say, like tweet the show, say they like it. Yep. That's about it. Thank you. Yeah, basically tag us in a tweet or retweet something that we did. I think either one of those we said we were going to be okay with. So, yep. you know, yep. low barrier to entry, folks. Yep. Speaking of tabletop RPGs for earlier, you've been talking about Savage Ring World for a while on our podcast. And lately you were saying you were having some issues with planning for it. So 
Why don't you tell us more about that? Yeah, so the Savage Ring World, we started this campaign during the pandemic, actually, in the depths of the pandemic, because um, we love Savage Worlds, and we were looking to get some sci-fi. And it was one of several campaigns that we were rotating through. And we ran, I don't know, like six to eight sessions. I ran two. I think one of my friends ran like three or four. Another one ran three or four. And so here's the thing. It was it kind of fell to the, waist, to the wayside. Wayside? Yeah, sure. By the side of the road, whatever. Our other campaigns took precedence, but it's kind of been just itching at the back of my brain because I don't want to get back to running stuff. I want to get back to like writing some adventures. And I'm like, well, you know what? It would be cool to actually pick up Savage World and try and run with it. Mm-hmm. But it's broken my it's broken my brain a little bit because the ring world is freaking big. <laughs> and this creates some interesting challenges when you're trying to figure out like, okay, well, what's a weekly role-playing game look like, right? So how big is the ring world. So a lot of people are familiar with uh, Halo, uh, Halo, the Halo video game and all those rings. Right. And so, okay, cool. That that's about 10,000 kilometers in diameter, which is roughly the size of the earth, which is like 12,000 and change kilometers in diameter. Um, now there is an older version of the Halo from the fiction um, that was never actually featured in the video games. They had diameter of 30,000 kilometers. So, you know, pretty big, right? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The surface of each ring is 318 kilometers wide um, with a depth of like two kilometers. The overall circumference is 31,000 kilometers and change. The internal surface area okay. is roughly the size of Canada. Okay. Okay. So, so that, take, that's not too Can- big. Yeah. But take Canada, put it on the inside of a bit ginormous ring, launch it into space spin it for gravity actually in halo they have artificial gravity so there's no reason to spin it um it's pretty big right canada is is kind of manageable now we argued about debated i shouldn't say argued we we debated the merits of the different sizes of ring world and ultimately we wanted to go big science we wanted to go high concept and so we went with larry nevin's ring world okay larry nevin's ring world is exponentially bigger (laughs) so it is about a million miles wide wow um and approximately the diameter of earth's orbit that's big. earth earth's orbit right it is actually spun so to generate gravity and mm-hmm. uh it gets an, it's night and day cycle from these big uh squares that are in orbit around the sun as well that like as this as the square moves past you you get the sun is dimmed and you get some darkness, right? Sure. It has the habitable internal surface area equivalent to 3 million Earth-sized planets. Got a lot of room for adventure. A lot of room for adventure. So so what does it mean, right? So the walls of the ring world, which keep the atmosphere from swings, like escaping over the side, are 1,000 miles high. Um, Mount Everest, the tallest mountain on Earth, is 5.4 miles high. Right. Mons Olympus, right. The, the biggest volcano slash mountain in the solar system. Uh, although mm-hmm. there might be a bigger one underwater. I, my research ended at Mons Olympus is 16 right. miles high. Right. So We're a little, sh- about, little shorter than the wall, just a little, little, little shorter, short. a little shorter than the wall. Right. So like, we're talking about walls that are a significant percentage of diameter of the planet that we live on. Yes. <laughs> right. This is the ring itself. The width of the ring right? Like how far it is across that little band is almost a million miles. Wow. Okay. Right? Like this is freaking huge, right? I could manage mapping Canada. I can come up with ideas for Canada. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's Canada. Like we love our neighbors to the North, but like it's manageable, right? 
30, like multiple millions of Canada's <laughs> filling the volume of like the ring world is, is crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about like the nature of the ring world, like it gets you excited from a, like, wow, from an engineering standpoint, like what would this thing actually be like to, to be on? But it's so big that it kind of defeats you. Right. So like people on one side of the ring world, like you see, you'll see like when you're playing halo, right. You can see the ring slowly curving up around you and maybe mm-hmm. that's physically right. Maybe it's not quite, but I think it's probably close, right. You're going to see the horizon rising up on the ring world. I didn't like do the math on Larry Nevin's ring world. Like the slope is going to be super duper gradual, right? Yeah. Like it's just going to keep going off and off into the distance. You might detect the slight rise, but you'll see like the mountain ring mountain ranges on the, on the ring world. And it's going to just go off into a line in the distance. And mm-hmm. the other side of the ring world on the far side of the solar system. You're like, not going to be able to see. Yeah. Maybe you just yeah. see a band of light, right? Like a very thin line crossing the sky. It would the have sky to be really want. lit up, I would guess. Right. Yeah. Right. So you probably don't, you, you may not even realize what the nature of the thing that you're, you're on, right? Like if right. you're on a halo ring world, it's small enough that you can right. small <laughs> air quote, small, so, it's small enough that you know what you're on. <laughs> what's, the, what's the width of the ring? Uh, almost a million miles. Um, 9,997 miles, a hundred thousand miles, 997,000 miles. Just checking something real quick. The diameter of Mars, one pole to yeah. the other pole is 4,213 miles. The reason why I was asking is I'm, I'm trying to figure out if you look at Mars from Earth, it's this line, oh, right. tiny, tiny pinprick of light, and it is 4,000 right. miles in diameter. <laughs> and like how, like what would the ring look like? from really far away that's not necessarily germane to playing on the playing it as a tabletop right. rpg but we started with all these measurements and such and was like this right. place is huge is what we should take away from this yes i think it's a faint line right because if you saw mars and when it's on the far side of the solar system from us mm-hmm. right that's probably about the like there's points where in its orbit where it would be approximately as far away as the other side of the ring world but Regardless, it's big. It's so big and it has so much space that in, in one of, I think we might've been in ring world engineers. Nevin actually just recreates whole planets within the ring world in the midst of a massive ocean, right? Like that's, that's okay. just how big it is. It's yeah. so big. The civilizations on the ring world probably wouldn't, would never meet, right? You can't walk it, <laughs> right? Like I don't, I did not sit down and try and do the math. There's a lot of math I didn't do because, you know, I was brainstorming other things but like this is not a thing you're gonna walk no no (laughs) this isn't even a thing you're gonna fly it would take you your lifetime to try and circumnavigate the ring so it's big and so the question becomes what do you do on it right so in halo i think halo had the same problem right like spoilers for a very old video game the halos in halo like they exist as weapons right they exist to wipe out all life in the galaxy as a way of destroying the flood Right. They're not even there for you to hang out on. Um, they're there as like super weapons. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes like, so, OK, well, if it's not a super weapon, what do you do with it? <laughs> right. And the scale is so tremendous that like, you know, Star Trek, you're just going to a new planet every day because you're just flying there on your starship. In Stargate, you're going to a new planet every day because the Stargate, you just, you know, put in some new coordinates and boom, you're on a new planet. On the ring world, you actually have to travel there. Yeah. So, so how do, do you, you travel? Do? How do you travel on your ring world right now? 
Well, that's a, that's a good question. So, so far, so when we established, there's some basic rules for the ring world that we've kind of had to initially to go with, and we stole liberally from uh, Larry Nevin, because as you know, from listening to the podcast, we love to steal from other sources. For sure. I mean, it's totally valid. Game. It's totally valid. I'm going to, I'm going to always be in the camp of stealing uh, and then, in, and then putting your own spin on it is, is the right way to go. So, yes. So we, like Larry and Nevin's Ring World, had an event called the Fist of God, where some massive object strung the wor- struck the world, broke through the far side of the ring, down through the surface of it, and out the other side, and gave rise to this thing called Fist of God Mountain, right? And so this event in our Ring World happened like 150 years in the past. Massive, destructive event. But even that, imagine, right? Like, and I think in Larry Nevin's uh, Ring World, he describes it as a, like a, an object the size of the moon striking the ring, right? So it hits... It vaporizes, it creates all this superheated gas, which erupts out the far side of the ring. The ring world is so strong that it's able to like stay intact even after this climactic catastrophic event. Um, You're on the other side of the ring world. You may not even have noticed. There might've been a bright flash if you happen to be looking at the right place. So that's one of our, our initial things, like something damaged the ring world and the ring world may be in trouble as a result of it. The other thing is technology level is mid 20th century. That's the baseline. Right, so you've got cars, you've got planes, you've got trains. Um, you have basic technology. You have computers. You don't have space flight. And interspersed between this is high technology and low technology. So, in one of my adventures, um, I stole liberally from the last parsec and the book Scientarium, I think it is, where there's these uh, robotic librarians that are collecting all knowledge okay. and uh, to preserve and protect that knowledge, uh, they kill anyone who tries to get too much knowledge. <laughs> So we have uh, high technology parts of the ring world and then low technology, right? So I'm imagining some places that are more like D&D-ish or fantasy or Bronze Age or what have you, all kind of mixed around. But the base level and the one that the characters are level setting against is mid-20th century, right? But we allow for powers and stuff. So like Savage Worlds as a rule set uh lets you have different kind of like the weird science and divine power and arcane power. And for us, it's all just magic. <laughs> Got it. It's all sorry, it's all just technology as magic, right? So like you can put whatever techno battle you want. So it's level set within the rules themselves. Okay. But like if you're asking me, can you have a laser pistol? No. But you can have a slug thrower. So coming back to your question, by default the locations are obviously reachable by foot. Um, we've had as one of our things. So one of the things we said was Fist of God Mountain, uh, because it was seen by say a quarter of the ring world, um, drew people to it because they're like, wow, there's this huge climactic thing. Uh, we need to figure out like like what that was. Right. And so people have been basically crusading, traveling, questing for migrating towards Fist of God ever since the event happened. And this has given rise to this cosmopolitan city kind of at the foot of Fist of God Mountain where, all these different civilizations are coming together. So mostly though, they're getting there by foot, by train, by plane, maybe by plimp, <laughs> gotcha. maybe by boat. Yep. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, low tech ways. Now we're thinking, and this is where I've started to kind of try and brainstorm, like there's the ancient technology of the ring world is still there. And so you could leverage that. So maybe there's a hyperloop. Yep. Maybe there's, teleportation ways to get from point a to point b a lot faster which opens up some storytelling things because you can basically introduce any region you want into the ring world as long as you can get people to it right so what's the problem 
So my problem is I just completely <laughs> overwhelmed. You <laughs> have think, a giant blank sheet of paper to make adventures in. And, that's, and I think it just, it broke me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think we've talked about this in the past is like, if you like, this is part of the problem that I've been having with Dyson fall is, is like, I haven't, I have a blank book effectively. And it's like, okay, well fill that blank book with Dyson fall. What is that? Right. Who knows? Um, I have to make it up, you know? So like, I, I think one of the things that I would suggest is like, give yourself either constraints or give yourself prompts of some sort, you know, yes. like, like you were talking about like, what is drama drama in a lot of cases is conflict with other people. So what sort of other people are on the ring world what sort of other factions are on the on the ring world and what are their goals? Right. I don't know when you were talking about the cosmopolitan city at the at the bottom of uh, this mountain, this city has come together really fast. So it could be very much like a thieves world sort of city. Right. right. Where you have people who are like there as scientists there or there to investigate or revere or venerate if it's like a priest or, or magical group. Um, but then you got all the charlatans and all the other people who are, you know, who've, who've come there to like strike it rich because something big has happened. Maybe they can take advantage of it. Yes, exactly. So I think as I started to think on it and honestly, I was, I was kind of paralyzed by the scale of it for a while as I was trying to like get my head around it. And I think the drama piece is a big piece. Like, like where's the conflict coming from, right? Like it's so huge. What are those factions? And so I was thinking along the lines of, of fronts in dungeon world where like you have these different movements that are happening amongst like with the narrative, right? Independent of whatever the PCs are going to do, right. Events are in motion. And so those, that will inevitably create some amount of drama. And given the scale of the ring world, some of these fronts are truly huge or they're impacting large regions right so it's like almost nation state style scale so one there's the ring world experiment itself which why was it built right like why does this superstructure even exist and there could be a lot of answers to that particular question but like right what did the builders leave behind that might be in motion that like leave aside all of the other challenges something is happening in the ring world. The ring world is waking up and maybe the experiments are being unleashed. I was actually, I'm currently reading um, a long way to a small angry planet, which I know yes. you've read and like all of our friends have read. And one of the things that they mentioned in that book was, which I thought was cool as I was thinking about the ring world is it's hard to experiment on life, right? Because the scale of life is so huge, right? Like to, to, to experiment with evolution over the course of thousands of years is something that is beyond our capabilities as sentient beings, because we just don't right. live that long. Right. <laughs> right. But if you're the ring world engineers and you can build something this big that can last for this long, you can do those kinds of experiments. Yep. And yep. not all of them might be friendly. <laughs> yeah. I, a, a couple of ideas have, have kind of come to mind, which is one, the beings that we perceive with our human eyes as mice from <laughs> from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, maybe, you know, there's a giant supercomputer as part of the ring world that's working on a problem. And right now it's got a really big headache. Um, or maybe right. there are multiple different supercomputers, each controlling their own section of the ring 
to make sure that it's stable. You know, one one giant thing that could happen is is maybe, oh, it's this thing is damaged. We need to jettison that section, which might take a long time for all of the interlocks to unlock. Right. But then the whole <laughs> mountain and the city or whatever gets ejected and then swarm of robot whatever start dismantling it and reassembling it to repair that section. That's fantastic, actually. <laughs> the guys are going to love this. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, like, since things are magic or well, you said technology is called magic. So I'm, I'm trying to think like like they could go into an ancient temple that, you know, there there's things about like ancient beast there or whatever. But that's one of the interlocks that is right. holding things together. And, you know, they get down there and it opens and they realize that if, you know, they you set a ran, you know, an arbitrary number of, you know, there are 21 of these things or or do, make it a prime number or something like that uh, of right. these different interlocks. And they have to race around and stop them from unlocking. Right. Yeah, I think um, maybe very cool i think um it'd be very surprising for everybody (laughs) (laughs) i think uh some other things i've thought about are um consequences from the fist of god event so it happened um so what is happening in the world like clearly like uh ecological devastation as like the the fabric of the ring world itself was actually distorted um and and so what are people doing so i thought about having you know some people have taken it as uh we must find out what has happened right and so we have technology as magic and magic as technology like we have technological civilizations that look kind of like the federation right where they're very much being driven by the scientific method there are others who are interpreting the science the the high technology they're finding as magic and then you've got some blending between the two where you've got like oh well here's my forge store my what'd you call it the forge staff i think and it's like there's all this techno babble around it, but at the end of the day, it's casting spells. Right. <laughs> like the magical effects that we're using are spells, right? Yep. Um, but there are others who are like on an epic crusade to destroy whatever came. Like that's obviously where the demons came from, right? So hey, join us in our on our crusade to slay the terrible evil that has ravaged our world, right? Um, and, and they could think they're right. <laughs> and and maybe they are right. That was one of the things that I was thinking while you know, as you were talking, is like something crashed into the ring world maybe it was inhabited maybe it was intentional uh and maybe there are creatures bubbling up from underneath the ring world now that are slowly being seen you know more and more often which could be your demons or demons could just already have been there and this is something new and that's uh, that was that was my other take. I think I, mean, I, I skipped over it. The, the cause of the, the Fist of God event in the first place, right? So mm-hmm. in Larry Nevin's Ring World, uh, the, a Ring World is meant to be a stepping stone to a Dyson sphere or Dyson swarm, right? Like this massive collection, like celestial object that takes up everything in the solar system. You don't right. have anything left over if you build one of these things because everything went into its construction. Everything if there's nothing left in the solar system. What hit it? Right. And and was it mm-hmm. engineered? Right. Was it truly an accident? Rogue planet happens to like bad luck. Rogue planet hits the ring world. Um, or 
did it have a purpose? And yep. is that purpose currently running amok on the ring world? So um, I like that idea. And I like the idea of these different things coming into play as the mystery kind of reveals itself, right? Like, oh, yeah, the ring world is unstable because of the impact. The impact unleashed something on the ring world. Everybody's like terrified of what the ring world was. So you have those conflicts. And then, oh, wait, why was this thing here in the first place? <laughs> so there's a lot of it. Once you actually start thinking about it, there's actually a lot you can do. Yeah. And well, the cool thing is, is all of these can be true at the same time. Yes. Yes. And so like you could have, if putting it into television show terminology, you could have a season of one arc of, you know, people, people learning about the, the mountain of God thing uh that is and the city that is at the at the base just minor adventures there and and another one of weird creatures have started to appear on the ring world and another one of like those interlock things that i was talking about earlier or you know another one of hey we've sensed more and more instability what do we in the ring world what do we do about it can we do anything about it what's causing it was it this fist of God event or is it something else? Right. So this, this brings me to my next problem. Okay. <laughs> so I think I've got some story ideas and I, I actually have, uh, I posted on, on Lara secrets, um, all of the source books that I'm drawing inspiration from. So like the great thing about Savage Worlds is that it has all of these source books that have been released. So it's got a science fiction companion. It's got a superheroes companion. It's got a fantasy companion. Um, it has a last parsec, which is a space opera setting. Um, it has uh, um, uh, weird West. And then it has uh, the, the far future weird West, which is like the post-apocalyptic weird West when everything really goes bad. So it's more like road warrior weird nice. West. Right. Nice. So I have lots of stuff to draw from. Um, the next challenge as I was starting to think about was how do you map it? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, how do you actually, so normally I think my approach to when I have a new campaign, a lot of times I, I like to just sit down and start drawing the map and the map is where I get some of my ideas from. And I think that's one of the things that was defeating me with the ring world is you kind of can't start with the map because <laughs> it's too big to map. <laughs> so I got, so I got to ask you, you did a lot of math earlier. If you were to do one hex per day of travel, how many sheets of hex paper would you take up? Uh, probably create a new planet. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I like. Yeah, I mean, that is a problem. You know, I we I've been running a Star Wars game. So like that's immediately coming to my mind is tra- how to get there aside. You know, you're traveling to an ice planet or a desert planet or a jungle planet for flavor. And actually I think now in newer star Wars, it's not just all one biome, uh, but we were on a planet that was like mostly <laughs> rocky mesas, but with scattered jungles. Right. And so they were, they were on that, like the, that sort of map. Like I don't see even a long-term campaign really being a hex crawl of one day of hex at a time. Right. <laughs> but in order to get to big point of interest to big point of interest, you have to have a good mode of travel. Yes. Yeah. So what I've been, what I've been thinking about was 
part of it, there's this stuff close in, and even as just you were describing it, season one in and around Fist of God City, right? And so what does that, you know, it, it you, you know, you could just kind of sketch out like, okay, like this is what I envision the, the nearby environs, right? So I already have from previous adventure that when the Fist of God event happened, it punched this huge mountain, but then it created all these ripples in the superstructure of right. the ring world. And those ripples are effectively mountains, right? They're huge, right? And the, the distortions have caused the biome to just go into like, it's got some serious problems. <laughs> some areas of massive drought, there's new seas where there wasn't a sea before, right? Like rain is falling in weird places. You have freshwater lakes where the, the engineers never expected them to be. And so right. there's some interesting things with just sitting down and kind of sketching out really high level what it does, like, I don't know, an area the size of the United States look like surrounding Fist of God Mountain, right? Um, and then from there, I'm thinking like, almost like the geography doesn't matter, like a, like some sort of a mind map. Or I think you brought up the idea of a transit map, right? Like what you're really concerned about is how does it connect back to, how do these things connect to one another? And maybe yep. there's just different networks and you're jumping between the different networks. So there's the Hyperloop network that you brought online and it gets you to these five locations. And there's the teleportation network that you brought online and it gets you to these five locations. Here's where you can get by air, that's interesting. Right. And you just kind of brainstorming these different locations and how do you get to them? Yep. Yep. And we, as we were saying earlier, it is the size of Earth's orbit. So, you right. can, like, and, and you said like high tech, low tech, but like there could, but you did say there wasn't, wasn't space flight, but in my mind, that's, there's not space flight that the characters know about. Um, yes, or likely. any of the civilizations that they interact with. Maybe on the other side of the of the sun is where you know the the descendants of the engineers live and still have all that high technology. They just don't care to visit any of the other parts of the ring world. Um, so right. maybe or they're coming to find out what the Fist of God hap thing happened, or maybe they're already there. They're just on the outside assessing damage or something like that. Right. So you could get like an air car or, you know, uh, a rocket ship or, you know, something along those lines or, yeah. or floating, the, flying, uh, floating discs, like in the He-Man movie, which was a horrible movie, but you know, <laughs> right. Right. There's also like the, the ring is an anti-asteroid collision, uh, detection system. And it just shoots out anything that goes into orbit amongst it's around itself. <laughs> No space travel. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that's true. That's, it seems yeah, like you could it, do that. It seems like it seems like a cheat. Like, honestly, the the problem still ends up being like the problem. Then once you, once the they discover space flight within the ring world, um, the question is how do you use it and how do you identify cool locations to go to? Right, right. And so, um, you know, I've thought about within the ring world and within Fist of God City, you know, telescopes become astronomy becomes different, right? Like, it's not necessarily looking out at the stars; it's looking at the ring world itself. And trying to figure out and mapping these massive like regions of the disc world, which could be the disc world. <laughs> I've gone to an entirely different setting. Um, you know, you could see, you know, you could see an area of the ring world that's, you know, it's like you're saying, like the distance from Mars from here, right? But you can make out features in a good telescope. Right. How do you get there, right? right. Um, and so the, the answer could be, well, you have you have these libraries that and these librarians that have been keeping track of it and kind of keeping building up the catalog of places we'd like to go. And like, they could be observing whole civilizations for the last 150 years from afar. 
right? Like, right. um, cause you can see it. <laughs> you just can't get there easily. Well, right? and so if once it's you have mid, a spacecraft, if it's mid 20th century, they might be communicating with them. True. Because yes, I didn't even get into the telecommunications thing. <laughs> like, if, like just simple radio. If you've got that distance, you know, it's, it's easier to cross the cord of, of the ring world rather than go along the circumference. You know, you just go from one side to another uh, right. straight line with radio or actually you're, you're broadcasting in a big giant sphere at that point. Yeah. They could be talking with people there uh, in other areas, but that doesn't get them there to adventure. Right. It sounded like you have a couple of good ideas for how to travel, but in my mind, do you want them to, go to a location, have an adventure and then come back to like a hub area or, and, and do you want them to, or, or do you want them to continue to travel on or, you know, do you want them to go back to some place that they've traveled to via the hyperloop or whatever? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's an excellent question and I think I don't know the answer to it, which is one of the reasons why, like, I I think where I've been getting to is the places where they want to go. Um, is really driven by where the where interesting conflicts are happening, right? So they want to get to, they need to use the hyperloop to get to the research center, which is going to tell them more about the instability in the ring room, right? Like right. different places will take you to different areas of interest. At the end of the day, oh, I'm losing you. I, let me let me say one thing, and uh, then maybe we'll see how that goes. Is uh, um, like you were mentioning the research center, what? do you ever want them to come back to the research center? You know, what happens if they decide to come back to the research center? That sounds like something that could be a fount of knowledge or a, a mini hub, at least at that point, maybe log back and log back in. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. We will be back in a moment. All right. So sorry for the technical difficulties. Uh, hopefully they are resolved. Um, maybe we'll turn this into a two-parter if they are not, but I think you were talking about, we were talking about the ring world, trying to do travel, trying to talk about the locations they would go to. Would they return to those locations? And so I think the answer to your question is yes, because I think in this kind of a world to the treasure is knowledge. How corny is that? But it's true, right? So as they unlock different things that are going to be able to help tell them more about the ring world, they're going to want to be able to go back and use those resources again. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've what's interesting to me is the longer I have played games uh, or at least maybe this section of games like you and other people that I know who are gaming are more like. Like, let's go and let's explore, let's research knowledge, let's make the world better, maybe without as much combat. Right. So <laughs> it's it's interesting how how I don't know if it's just our age or how the industry is evolving or any of that stuff. But uh, but it's it's kind of interesting the way that things have, have been going with that. So I think you kind of need to know, like travel wise, I, you kind of need to know what's there, who built it. Like sometimes delving into the history of it will give you more right. ideas as well. Like, can it break? What happens if it does? The yeah, and I, my my thought about the transit map was like, uh, make a nice, colorful uh, London 
metro travel map but uh, uh you know the the idea of basically a mind map of hey this thing goes here and and comes back or maybe it only goes one way that's one thing you right. could always do to your players is like oh we're gonna get on this thing and we're gonna go there oh wait what do you mean it doesn't go back <laughs> you're now 40,000 miles from where you started right but you but my suggestion is before they leave they need to have a reason to come back in a timely manner so that becomes drama too right yes exactly so exactly so so i think thanks for your your uh good ideas my internet continues to be wibbly wobbly. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, <laughs> I wonder, you know, that <laughs> the internet problems are dealing all my bandwidth to probably yeah. close it out. Do you want to take us out since, uh, yeah, let, why don't we, in a second? <laughs> yeah, why don't we, uh, why don't we put a pin in where we are right now and we'll revisit how things are in a, in a later session. I will take us out. So, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you have feedback, we love feedback. You can send it to us at podcast at layerofsecrets.com or on Twitter at Layer of Secrets. And remember our RPG giveaway stuff. It's sitting over here on my floor. Send us a message. Tag us in that message. Uh, we stream this live on Twitch whenever we happen to be recording. We try to do it every week. We don't always make it. Uh, so if you want to get a fix of things early and unedited, you can. we are Layer of Secrets, all one word on Twitch. If you set notifications that'll let you know when we go live, we usually do Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, but that's not a guarantee. Uh, not yet, because uh, we don't make money off this. <laughs> when we start making money off this, we will be more prompt. <laughs> you can also visit layerofsecrets.com and leave us feedback. Also, Ken has put up a bunch of blog posts about this ring world, all of his ideas and things like that. So. Feel free to go there and mine them for your own games. Send us feedback, topic ideas, and definitely we want to hear your own thoughts on what we've talked about. Until next time, folks.